Straight Talk Live, exploring human, digital, and social transformations. Welcome to Straight Talk Live. I am your host, one of your co-hosts, Rick Snyder. I'm the CEO of Invisible Edge and the author of Decisive Intuition. And as a reminder, this is a not-for-profit live podcast. We go live every Thursday at the same time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. UK. And really, the whole point of this podcast is exploring the profound transformations of the digital, the human, and the, and the social spaces. And these are the things that we care about, is the conversations that we need to be having in this post-pandemic climate. What does this mean in our new reality? What are those conversations we need to be having from everything in education, unemployment, leadership, mindset, um, neuroscience, um, digital, AI, everything you can imagine. This is, these are the things we need to be talking about, climate change. And so we have a fantastic guest uh, today and a fantastic show. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to introduce our, my amazing co-host, who is off his high of amazing stories in his life. We have <laughs> Af Maholtra. Af, take it away. Thank you, Rick. Welcome, everyone. Great to be back on the show. And what a wonderful subject today. We, um, we have, as you all know, been focusing very, very uh, seriously on building the next generation of what we call mavericks or maverick leaders. And one essential ingredient, of course, is your ability to communicate. And a big part of your ability to communicate is to tell stories, to engage, mm -hmm. to influence, um, and to really be the leader that you, you ought to be in the future that we're looking to, to be part of um, ahead. And so today's guest is going to be remarkable. By the way, I am, of course, the co-creator of this show and the co-founder of Growth Enabler, and I do all sorts of other wonderful not-for-profit things as well. So over, over to you, Rick, and let's crack on with the show. Okay. This is one of my favorite topics, storytelling. And it's something that's come, I think, more to the consciousness of our world in the last 10 to 15 years, especially. Um, we're getting the power of story, even though it's been there since the dawn of time. I think there's a way we've somehow reacquainted uh, ourselves with actually how powerful that is to be able to move an audience, to be able to influence. I'm, I've literally seen someone who's the smartest person in the room who doesn't know how to communicate what they know to their audience and how frustrating that must be. And so this is going to, we're going to dive deep today in what is the art of storytelling? What is the heartbeat of influence? How can we use this to move, motivate our teams, our culture, to be able to speak out when the story is not going according to plan? Mm. So without further ado, I want to introduce our special guest, Jay Golden. Jay, welcome to Straight Talk Live. Thank you, Rick. It's really an honor to be here. And Jay, we know that you're CEO of Re, uh, Retellable and also the author of the book Retellable, and you've been in the storytelling business for quite a while. Why don't you give our audience just a little bit of background about you and why story has become so important for you? Yeah, it was about 12 years ago, and my daughter, Sophia, was uh, just, just a baby, just born a few days before, and it was in that silence, that deep silence of a newborn child that I took some reflection. I took off some time from work and I had looked back over the previous dozen years of my career and of hopping from digital this to digital that, all kinds of different content development from early online learning to early music videos to early viral videos and social change videos to web series and I just hopped from the edge to the edge to the edge, the invisible edge, I had hopped. And I looked around and I said, what really matters about this work? 
and and where is it going? Hmm. And in that moment, I really thought about my own journey as a traveler before I ever became a digital person. And I thought about traveling around the world as I did for, for several years before I began in business. And I realized the thing that was missing was the thing that I had found back then, which is when you're wanting to go somewhere, you talk to somebody, you learn about where they've been, and you optimally, you, you share stories about where you've been and what you've learned. Mm. And I realized that for all of the promises of the digital world, the true profound stories that I had gathered in my travels, that act of sharing insight and sharing influence was not present. It was attempted to be duplicated, but was not present. And I just kind of turned and I said, you know, I'm going to step away for a moment from this digital edge and drop into the center of how we communicate. And that's where I began. Uh, and soon after that, I, I began training uh, different leaders because I had been working with leaders all along, but more in a digital sense and train them to gather their stories and to share them in all kinds of different ways. So that might be um, on the big stage, uh, but it also might be on the little stage. It might be on the camera. It might be in a management meeting. It might be in a leadership conversation. And so that's kind of where I began. And we were talking just a moment ago about where that landed uh, at 12, you know, uh, last year, a year ago, this, this, this day on the 11th. And so I had traveled around the world giving talks on storytelling. I wrote a book on storytelling and coached a bunch of leaders all around the world and, and, you know, landed in Australia on stage last year, just the same day that Europe closed to travel, the NBA closed to travel mm -hmm. and uh, Tom Hanks got COVID in Australia. Mm hmm. It was one hell of a triple whammy there. <laughs> it was a big day. Yeah, the lesson that I learned, don't ever check your texts before you're going to go on stage. Oh, good Ooh. call to all the speakers out there. That's a really good shout. Yeah. Um, and, and we know from your past also, you've gotten to work with you know Google and Facebook and YouTube and all kinds of impressive companies as well as small startups from around the world and scrappy companies from all different industries as well. So you've gotten to see a huge collection of how people tell their story, how they don't what different cultural influences might also uh, come into storytelling as well, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I did a, a, a pretty good tour in the Silicon Valley and worked with a lot of leaders in these totally top large companies that, are, that focus a lot on the social communications. But when it comes to how you're communicating as a leader, that was a gap and it mm. remains a gap. It's a, it's a constant mm -hmm. gap. Um, but, but working to fill that with whether it's recruiting or it's legal or it's top level leadership, you know, the idea of actually the etymology, the origin of the word leader comes from an old English word later, laden or later. And, um, that actually means to guide. It means to travel, right? Cause lead is you're, you're going ahead. Uh, and it means to grow. And mm. so what I found around the world, actually, because I've trained leaders from Australia, from Asia, from, um, from Europe, from all around Morocco, all around the world, is that there is something that is still necessary, even with all of the digital information sharing. Mm. Uh, and that, that gap really is how do you gather your information into your knowledge, mm -hmm. into your wisdom? How mm -hmm. do you hold your wisdom and how do you 
How do you know how to share it at the right moment just to help someone to travel uh, in the path that you can see they're going and, the, and, and also the path that you are wanting to illuminate for them? Mm. Mm. So Jay, let's, let, let's go back um, to the origins of storytelling. And I think just before we started the call, before we pressed the live button, we were having this great conversation, which was, um, you know, the fact that I'll put it out there, I'll take a position here, which is that, you know, when you're born, when you're little, when you're little kids, you have so much imagination and you're, you're capturing all of the stimuli around you. And you've got all these lived experiences for the first time, you know, going to school, um, doing stuff on the playground, going with your parents to the theme park and on and on and so on and so forth. And I, I fundamentally believe that we are inbuilt with the DNA to tell stories. I really do. I believe that somewhere along the way and as we grow up and we get thrown into the system where we become flesh robots, which is what we've now realized after the pandemic, that we, we're essentially all, you know, we used to call it the rat race, but actually we're flesh robots. I like to describe mm. it that way. Um, that we've lost that amazing skill, capability, secret power. So talk us through in all of your research and all of the amazing work you've been doing for years. Is there a, A, do you agree or disagree or have a different viewpoint? And B, uh, what, what do you believe um, the future looks like, given that we might find a way to discover our storytelling skills or capabilities with the kind of work you're doing and many others are doing in this space to resurrect it, right? Almost to revive it to some extent. So um, just, just share your thoughts, really. Do you have a week or so? to? Discuss? Yeah, I do. totally. <laughs> um, totally. It's a great topic. It's a great topic. You know, when my, when Sophia was uh, three or four years old, you know, and I was trying to put her to bed and of course we're, we're working late, we're entrepreneurs and and it's time to put her to bed and I'm falling asleep, you know, I'm in the middle and then the wolf, you know, and like, okay, gosh, you know, she kicks me and I got to get, I got to finish the story. And, oh, and then the wolf came and then, oh, and, and then it was, and then they ran away and it was fine. And okay, time for sleep. And she kicks me again. And she's like, dad, that's not a story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was really, I mean, this was one of the reasons I wrote retellable because the the idea that we know so intrinsically what a story is and what it isn't mm -hmm. that our tiny children are showing us what a story is and what it isn't is really significant mm -hmm. and there is a lot of brain science to back that up you know the the idea so so i used to i used to tell her the uh the three little pig story like i'm saying in the the there's the the setup you know they they go off and then this and then and i'd usually i would skip to the part where it's the third scene right where they finally get there and the wolf's outside because that's the best tense tense part the the thing is that the that beginning of a story when you drop someone into a story that's where the dopamine sets in that's where the suspense mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. because you're guiding them into this discovery and that's where people mm -hmm. are like well if you do it right and you do it in a committed way, you're dropping them into this territory of suspense. Suspense actually elevates your level of curiosity and yeah. it deepens learning. Mm. And I can speak more to that. The, the gist is you come, once you drop down and then you get to the place of stress, the place where it's like, okay, now I'm not actually sure what's gonna happen with this wolf. 
what's going to, what, you know, the wolf's now climbing up the roof. Here it comes and drops in. And oh gosh, that's where the cortisol is. That's where the stress hormone is. Now a little bit of stress, like Joseph Campbell talks about the, the innermost cave, the place of not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. That place of mystery. When you don't know and you're trying to solve it, that there's a cortisol release. Now you don't want to have too much because then your audience kind of strays away. But once you can come through that and finally the piggies are safe and finally the wolf, you know, runs away, away with his, you know, burning tush, then that's where the oxytocin is. That's where mm -hmm. the connection is. That's where we feel safe. We feel connected. Mm -hmm. And that's where we can, that's where the healing happens. And so mm -hmm. it's not any different, actually, if you talk about any kind of leadership story, if you talk about any story from your travels that you're applying to a challenge that your audience might be facing, if you're talking about a new world where we don't know how to act, but we do know some things. We know the value of trust. We know the value of deep relationships. We know the value of immediate response and quick innovation that's required. There's so many shifts that are happening. That's the place where story actually comes in and it continues to be even more important. Mm. Where does it get evaporated then? Where do, you, where where do we it, lose it? Yeah, where do we lose it? Um, I think there's, you know, there's an assumption and I really understand it. Um, the way that I look at this is Steve Jobs had a, uh, an insight when he was 12 years old. He read this uh, magazine, Scientific American, and he found in this, in Scientific American, he found this study. And the study was about the efficiency of the, um, of different species. So it's like kilocalorie per hour. So how far could a species a different, the different species travel one kilometer on how much energy, right? Mm -hmm. So how much energy would it take to travel one kilometer? And what he saw was that the, the condor far and away just took it. The condor was so efficient. And I don't know if you've spent any time in South America, massive, massive eight foot winds, wingspans could just sail forever on the wind. Mm. Humans were like in the middle of the pack, a third of the way back. And he really thought about that. But then somebody had the idea to do a study of a human on a bicycle, mm -hmm. put a human on a bicycle and the human on a bicycle totally blew away any other species. And his reflection and his insight at 12 years old, relatively smart guy was we are tool building species, mm -hmm. right? Founded in sapiens as well. We are tool building species. Now, so what he said is, a computer is really a bicycle for the mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what we become reliant on, a bicycle for the mind to carry information, mm -hmm. designs, ideas far and wide to, to, to co-create with this bicycle for the mind and have these ideas travel so far. The thing that I think we're missing is the thing we began with because humans are tool building species. And the original tool that we utilize to cultivate to, to develop culture and to create connection among people and to teach is not the bicycle of the mind. It's the bicycle mm. of the heart. Mm. It's the story. Mm. And that's where we basically, we've kind of, we've, we've come in, we've fallen in love with all of the information sharing and mm -hmm. all of the critical power of being able to, to, to share this mm -hmm. knowledge. And it's mm -hmm. immensely powerful. But if you think about where the wisdom is, the wisdom doesn't live up here. The wisdom mm -hmm. lives here. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think where we've, I don't know if we say we've gone wrong, but we've fallen in love with this idea of sharing all this information and it keeps us connected, 
but you still have to come back to that question after a hundred thousand words that you're going to take in today after 34 gigabytes of information we're walking hard drives we're so filled up we're so zoomed out the question is what are you going to remember in a month what are you going to remember in a year what's going to guide you into the transformation that you truly need. And so that's kind of, so if we say, where have we gone wrong? I just think we're in an evolutionary process mm -hmm. and some people are going deeper and deeper into the information sharing, but the things that light us up are still the Netflix shows. Mm -hmm. The oh, things that light us up are still those short, those stories of transformation that we share with one another. Yeah. You know, I love this point, Jay, and I see this a lot in the business spaces that I'm working in where, you know, data is still God right now. Data is the king. And everyone wants more numbers, faster numbers, um, you know, even more volume of information, which is great. And what I see is the leaders that really <laughs> excel are the ones who can tell the story of the numbers, who can mm -hmm. transport the information, the meaning behind the numbers. Mm -hmm. And so my question for you is, when you go into a company, um, a lot of times there's the story they want to tell about themselves. And then there's the story that's really happening in their culture. How do you do that kind of work? How do you get in there? Like, um, curious how that goes, because I can try to tell whatever story I think I want to tell, but if it's not what's really going on, if I don't have a real baseline, there's always going to be that inauthentic gap that people feel. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and it's a multi-part question. If you're, if you're thinking about it from a speech perspective, mm -hmm. right? So more of a keynote, that's one thing. If you're thinking about it from an anecdotal story that you want to really land your point, it's a slightly different um, mm. kind of frame. But I think there's a very distinct similarity, which is when you're thinking about the data, you have to step back and ask yourself, what's the context in which this data is illuminating a transformation? Mm. You have to ask yourself. It's not just, look how amazing this is. Mm -hmm. Now we can change. You have to set up the context for learning. And this is, and I worked, did some, as I said, in some um, large tech companies in the Silicon Valley. And a lot of it was, hey, they don't have time. They don't have time. Our managers, our, our, our CEOs, don't, they don't have time for, for a story. Mm -hmm. And my point is, mm -hmm. you don't have time to not tell a story. Mm -hmm. Because if you just drop them with the data and you show how it all, they might be like, wow, that really makes sense. But tomorrow, are they going to act on it? Is that going to inform their decision? So what I always say is you want to set up with a story that lands your main point, that informs your metaphor. Maybe it sets up a metaphor for you that guides and connects to the main point you're landing. And then you reinforce it over and over and over again with your data. And that's how you leverage the suspense, how you leverage the cortisol, because the cortisol really leads, <clears throat> if the suspense kind of informs your why, the cortisol really informs your what. It really informs what this is all about because you give a little bit of like, okay, and it's like this and it's like this, but let's take a moment to say, what is this actually about? And if you've done that thinking, and you've done that thinking and setting it up in a story, setting it up in a metaphor, then you're just going to travel much further and be re remembered for a much longer time. Do you think it brings me back to the point uh, about environment, right? So imagine you're a leader and at work, for some reason, you want to share information, like just data, because that's the culture that you've been um, sort of absorbing. 
And then you go home and then you become this wonderful storyteller. Uh, do you often find that dichotomy exists in people? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it, it's all a cultural question, right? That's why, I, that's why I love working with founders and CEOs, because if they really care about storytelling, then they can inform the culture. Um, but that's the same thing on any management level, that if you realize that the brain science is supporting not just whether your information is accurate, but whether you're actually it's going to rise above the noise and survive tomorrow, then and you make use of that. And that's a it's, it's also a very personal act. Then that's where success happens. But it's not for everybody. I mean, it really isn't for everybody. Mm. It actually boils down to the fact that it goes back to the fundamental question around leadership. What's the purpose of leadership? You know, the purpose of leadership is to inspire, engage, influence people, to change their minds, to get them in a, moving in a certain direction that may be, may be fearful for them at that point. But, you know, just you being around makes it feel that much better. A parent is a leader, a company executive is a leader, a politician sometimes is a leader. And um, we know the difference between leaders and non-leaders, right? I mean, like in the last show, we were talking about leadership with and without authority. And I think we had Richard Tobacco who was um, on the board of uh, Publicis for many years. And he was talking about this massive shift that he's seeing, even with the, some of the veteran CEOs. Uh, in fact, quote unquote, a paraphrase, I think he said, they don't know what they're doing. And we've got it, we've got the footage. And, um, you know, he's talking to some of the biggest companies. And the reason for that is I think he feels that he felt, and I think this is what you're saying, there's a detachment from, um, we call it authenticity these days, but just being yourself. And for many years, going into work has meant that you've got to put on this fake front and you've got to speak in a certain way and pretend to be of a certain type, which in entrepreneurship, people like us have sort of detached from that a long time ago. Uh, and the corporates might look at you now and think, oh, how are you so relaxed, Jay? How do you just like speak so, uh, you know, fluidly and flow about whatever it is that you're discussing? I think, I think corporate culture has got such a long way to go because it's become, it's, it's sucked the oxygen out of our ability to actually be wonderful storytellers, apart from other things that we haven't been able to do. Yeah. Well, on the first, on the first point, there's a great question of what's the difference between or the relationship between being a parent and being a leader. Um, if I want to tell my, if I really want to teach my son something, if I'm noticing that there's a big challenge and he's, you know, he's 15 now, um, yeah. I'm not going to tell him what to do. I'm not going to show him the yeah. data. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell him something totally different. I'm going to say, you know, I want to tell you about when I was on the basketball team, my senior year. And then he said, what, wait, what, why, why are you yeah. talking now? There's an innate, we, we could say there's an innate respect that, that you might have to be able to make such a commitment. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also an innate commitment that you can make to gather that respect. Yes. And so if I say, and, and then this happened, and this happened, he's like, wow, really? And this is why I'm telling you this. Now I've already got his attention. I've already mm -hmm. shown him why this matters. And then I land what I actually want to say. Now, mm. why does that, what's the relationship between a parent and a leader? Again, if the origin of the word leader means to grow or to travel or to be the one who goes before, because I think this question of leadership in this time is a really important question. Is a leader the person who knows everything? Is the leader the person who tells people what to do? Boy, in this kind of in, in engaged more collective culture, 
I don't think that's what a leader is about. What a leader is about, the one who goes before, the one who does their work, the one who knows themselves well enough that when it's a teaching moment, you're able to pause, take the attention and guide the audience in a certain direction. And the second part that I just, I think it's a, an introduction is, boy, the question is in this new time, because now we're a year in to COVID, where now we've taken an entire trip around the sun. In this new time, these companies have so many things to deal with that they never had to deal with before. We've got virtual work. Okay, how are you as a, as a leader going to keep your team engaged when they don't know each other? They've never met each other. They've never gone on retreats. They never sat down. They've never attended a meeting <clears throat> in physical space. How are you going to have them known as people right? How are you going to be known as a person? And then how are you going to navigate these quick moments of innovation that are required to respond to the emerging marketplace? How are you going to respond to the emerging health challenges that might change the entire face of your workplace? How are you going to respond to massive pivots that are going to be required as you go forward? Is data, is the most intelligent data alone mm. going to do that? That's, mm. that's the question I have. Mm. You know, you're having me think about, um, you know, I, I think everyone wants to be a great storyteller or learn how to improve and get better at that. And I think people do understand the value of that when they've been in any kind of leadership position or a first time manager, uh, whatever it might look like, even a colleague, even, you know, being a peer of somebody um, and wanting to have more influence and power in those different ways. Um, my question to you is, what are some of the best practices when someone is learning the art of storytelling, maybe for the first time or doing it more consciously now, you're actually putting conscious attention on this as a practice and as an art and as a science. What are some just beginning best practices you can recommend to our audience for all the people out there listening of like, yeah, I want to be a better storyteller, but I don't know where to start. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great question. Um, I look at a, a good story like a travel story. A travel story. You went off and you discovered something. And this kind of strange thing happened. You met this person. This person led you there. And then you'll never guess what happened, right? So this basic setup of how the world was, what led you into discovery, the moment before that true discovery, that's where the innermost cave comes in. That place of not knowing is one of the most important important pieces of a story. Not only does it illuminate authenticity, not only does it give you that connection to your audience, but it sets up that learning and that kind of moment, that opportunity. So I, a, a story is really, we talk about a bicycle of the heart, a bicycle mm -hmm. for the heart. A story is really a vehicle of change. Mm -hmm. So the question I'm always asking my clients, where's the change? Let's draw into the change. Now, in order to illuminate a change, you don't just go right to the thing. You go backwards. You know, Steve Jobs, again, you can't connect the dots going forwards. You can only connect the dots going backwards. So you go backwards and you figure out how the world was before. And you really take a moment to set up that world, whether it's a story about data, whether it's a story about leadership, whether it's a story about where your company is going. You first ask, where's that change? And then you say, how was the world before? Because this is really key. The thing that we forget is because we're kind of a forward thinking species, we, we forget how it actually was. Oh, before, I don't know. I was just, you know, it was like, I was just different. I wasn't, I didn't have things together. No, 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 no. 
get drop into a moment, go back into that self that you once were or that scene that once was, go back there. You can go back there. You want to drop a few um, sensory details to kind of like think, how did it feel? How was, the, how was the air that day? What did you see? What was blowing in the trees? You know, the day last year before I got on stage, I've thought so much about this moment where I picked up this text from my son and I was lying there on the bed doing my meditation. I'm getting all Zen. I'm about to go on. We were, we were going to talk about the, the bushfires and how recovering from mm -hmm. the bushfires and how the challenge to the travel industry and how you were going to navigate with your collective story, mm -hmm. right? That was like the opportunity, but all of a sudden, Boom, a whole nother crisis. Well, the moment that I was holding that phone is a moment that I'm going to remember for my whole lifetime. Now, why do I say this? Sensory details, mm -hmm. leverage sensory details. Sensory details enhance learning. Mm -hmm. They anchor a person in that place. Think about where the change is and then back up, go mm -hmm. to how things were before. So the basic thing in any kind of story, how was the world before? What was the main change that happened? And what is the lesson or the insight that you're pulling out of that? And mm -hmm. then you use everything else to support it. So then you mm -hmm. can layer in your data. You can layer in your discovery. You can layer in your research. And, mm -hmm. and most importantly, most mm -hmm. importantly, consider who exactly you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. Think about whether, you know, when I help my clients to, to work on their speeches or to write a book, I'm saying, choose three people. Choose three Friendly people that are your audience members and speak to them. What are their challenges? What are they facing? And, and then also ask yourself, where are you in this? So ask, where are they? Ask, where are you? And then cultivate a journey to, to connect the two. Mm. Mm. What, what, um, that's pretty useful. What, what do you believe? Um, uh, I mean, in, in your mind, there have been so many amazing storytellers, right, in the world um, you named a few earlier on, jobs included, in his own sort of way, and different personalities tell stories differently. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, when I was in the corporate, I used to run um, Europe and Middle East, and one of the first times I was invited to the Middle East was um, was actually was Dubai, and Kuwait was one of the regions that I was looking after. It's my first time there, and I met this chap who will remain nameless, and he had the whole gear on and so on and so forth. And it's the first time I'm being introduced to the to the market. So he came in and we had a coffee. The person the person brought the coffee. It was really cool. And I was like, right, what do I do here? I'm not going to go talk to him about the corporate spiel because that's what I was told to do. Like, go af, go tell this guy about the corporate order, right? He needs to get in line. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I come from a, a different background too, so I get the ethnic. Uh, diversity piece and I get the language and, and nuances. So I was sitting there and I said, oh, da, 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 sales numbers, how's it going? He said, yeah, fine. I said, oh, tell me a little bit about this deal that you're working on. And so this was a 15 minute response. And he said, let me, I'm not going to do the accent. He said, let me first tell you a little bit about what's going on. Think of it like the ocean. And it started that way. And I was like this. I was like, where's the popcorn? He said, and the ocean. And his response, then he said, and then I walked into the room and the shake was there on his treadmill moving. I didn't know what to do. And the three people, and I was like, wow, well, this is like a Hollywood movie. I was like, then what happened? And by the end of it, I wasn't talking about the corporate <laughs> message at all. In fact, I was so 
you know, uh, consumed by his story. And in fact, I still remember it. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty details, but I still remember this is years ago, nine, ten years ago. I only remember that story from all of the work I did in the Middle East. And um, so it's bizarre how these stories just get loaded into the database. And that's all I remember. I don't remember the big successes or the data. I don't remember anything. Um, so given that th this is, you know, some people tell stories beautifully, who in your mind are some of the people that you would hold up there and say, wow, these these people really told some of the best stories? You know, obviously the usual suspects are there, but anyone in particular that stands out for you that you're inspired by? You know, I have the the great fortune of working with so many amazing storytellers. Mm -hmm. Um that I, I just I get a chance to work with these different founders and and that that are that are kind of change agents and so I, I feel like I could name a, a long list of people that that I get to work with every day. Um, I think you know Oprah is on our mind lately. Um, with the I was just listening uh, to a little little bit of uh, Megan and Harry. Um, the I think Oprah is a wonderful storyteller and she really is committed to, to the emotional part. Mm -hmm. She's really, she is really, she's such an empathetic being that she will drop down deeply into what is happening and find the way that the wisdom goes. She'll, so influence. So the word influence, it actually comes from influere, which is to flow, to flow inward. So this idea of influence, it's not just I'm going to show you what to do. It is that the, the wisdom or insight that I carry will flow into mm. you and become a part of you. Mm. And so that's the kind of anchor part. I have a, a one client that, that I have worked with for a long time. Uh, his name's Charles, and he's, he, he finds he's, he's a kind of visionary type. So, so visionary meaning like a new idea comes up and you will anchor into that and you'll find a way to convey about that. But there's this year, he, he actually runs a, um, a roofing company. And mm -hmm. this year is the big, the big focus has been not about as much about roofing, but as who, who actually needs help in the, this is in Orange County, who needs help in the Orange County region. And so what they've done is they've cultivated a story um, called the love drop where they've connected these different people, these different companies, and they've, Draw, gathered food from them as a kind of like almost like a marketing thing it's there's a there's a elevate your name and we're going to go bring the food to hospitals we're going to bring it to the police we're going to bring it to um child care you know folks we're going to so th this kind of idea of taking that greater story and making it a part of your business so <clears throat> yeah. so we're not just a company that's actually about um how we create you know, build roofs for you. We're a company that cares for our community and cares for our employees. So that's like another example. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a long list. It's a great question. I, mm. I have one that's burning based on what we talked about before this call. And we, you're talking about the small story or the personal story and how a lot of the big story, like a lot of times we're focusing on the big story of the company or the big story of uh, the vision of, uh, you know, where we're trying to head in the next five to 10 years. And yet you were making a good point that a lot of times, even in the corporate space, especially in the corporate space, how can we get even more personal? That's really the carrier wave that's happening these days. Can you speak a little bit about what it is to help people uncover their personal story? Because a lot of times they might feel like that's insignificant. Yeah. Um, 
what I believe is that your story is made up of stories. So the task, I get a lot of people saying, I really need to work on my story. Well, your story is not just the thing you did last week or the thing you developed or the, this year. The, your story is really built on your insights and your landscape from your life. So the practice that I really help people to work on is what I call the legend process, which is we go on an exploration into your life, whether that's something that happened to you when you were five, when you were 15, something that happened last week to get. And then I use a framework called the journey curve, which is a kind of three part frame that um, helps you to map out what change looks like in the story. And so what I do first and foremost, when I work with my, either my clients or even in my speaking or my training is help clients to map out, to gather stories, find out which stories you actually tell. So that's kind of the starting point. The stories you tell, can they be improved? Can they be deepened? Can you leverage the senses more deeply? Can you leverage suspense? Can you show how the world was before? Is there a cave moment where you can offer a little more expansion and mystery that connects with your, with your audience? Um, and kind of play with the stories that are, exist. So that's your kind of go-tos. Then you're like reserve stories are the ones that maybe you told once, or maybe you, a moment that keeps coming up to you. Af, I love that story about the, the marketplace. That sounds like a go-to. Um, but maybe it's a story you tried telling and you don't know how to tell it, or maybe it wasn't relevant. And so those are your reserves. And those are ones that you can bubble up and workshop. And then there's your insights and your lessons that you haven't really told into stories, but you know they're key moments, moments that stay alive for you and moments to workshop. And so as a result of this, to cultivate a collection of working stories that both enables you to pull out of your quiver these stories at the right moment, but it also gives you a practice so that if it's not even the right moment, maybe it's a story that's just bubbling for you at the dinner table or when you're on a Zoom call, that you have a cultivation of a kind of these stories to, to really harvest when you need them. So mm -hmm. that's what I believe. I believe in a collection of stories. And then mm -hmm. once you have your collection of stories, when you're looking to meet this moment, like everybody has their COVID story. Right. Yeah, and right. some of those COVID stories are not done. And some of those COVID stories are going to be told differently in three years than they are now, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah. we all walked collectively into an innermost cave, a moment mm -hmm. where things were falling apart and we didn't know where to go and what was stable about it. So being in the practice of telling your stories is actually an opportunity to map out your story for today. And that way, when you're ready for the language, when, you, when you've readied yourself for the language, you're more prepared to tell that next story. Yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, while you were talking, by the way, my takeaway, um, and you know, we live and breathe this stuff as well. And this is how valuable this is. What you're saying is, as a good practice, once this session finishes, and you're going to tell us tell us a little bit more about what you're up to today and these days as well, because maybe you can help a lot of our straight talkers later on. But you're saying we should actually take out time. I don't know. I'm sort of I'm I'm writing it out as almost like a a bit of a um, mind map. But you know, I've got so many different parts of my life: my work life, my personal life, my health life, my uh, entrepreneur life. It goes on and on. As I'm writing it down while you were talking, I was thinking, oh my god, I've got like loads of stories. But here's my sort of plug-in for you then. It's difficult to just sit on the back of a laptop or find 30 minutes 
some people can do it instantly, not everyone can, to just say, right, I'm just going to make a collection of all my stories and practice them and off you go, I'm a fantastic storyteller. Surely it's not that easy, is it? No, it's not. Um, but what you can do is you can make a graph. I like right. to, so I've got a couple of these. I got, um, I got one on my wall here. I kind of, I keep iterating them, but take a big piece of paper and basically draw a, a, a y-axis, the x-axis, and you, this is, this is zero when you're born. Here's yeah. your ancestors. Any stories from your ancestors? Don't, don't, start, don't start when you're born. Figure out the stories from before, yeah. which were those yeah. early influences, right? Because that's in your genes and it's in your, your heritage. Yeah. Um, and then go forward and really be spacious about it. And, then, and the center line is here's good moments and here's bad moments. Right. You know, we right. could call them good and bad. And sometimes the good moments come right after the terrible moments. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And sometimes vice versa. But from there, you'd be really surprised. You start just marking those insights, those key moments, those times and yeah. give your seriously, give yourself a wall, give yourself space and come right. back to it again and again. So you <laughs> might take a coffee break and you could give yourself, you could come up with 15 key moments, but the next day you might say, wait a second, I forgot about that time in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. What about that? What about the ocean story? Well, what, what was the, what is that story? And how's that relevant? So that to me, that's the legend process. So that mm -hmm. to me is where you can gather your key insights and you can gather that kind of collection and then you can workshop shaping them, but keep going back to it. You know, you keep going back to it and then you can, then you can start pulling pieces. And when you're, when you're doing that, it was a fabulous model that, when you're doing that, I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, so what? So what's the central message in this moment, right? Yeah. You have to force yourself to ask that question. Yeah. yeah, that's an absolute critical question to ask later. Okay. So yes. it's a critical question, but that's a shaping question. Yeah. First, we want to get the data. You're talking about data. What yeah. happens is you just forget stuff. We've lived, you know, we're, we're, we're talking, we're listening to so many other people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, if you want to be a little controversial here, talk about great storyteller. Well, stop the steal. Great story. Mm -hmm. Great freaking story. Not mm -hmm. my favorite story, but a great story. Why? Because it drew all these different people into this moment of tension where there was going to be a change. Right. Well, you've got, so you can be a great storyteller and not necessarily be the person that's, you know, your favorite guide, but still be a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. So that comes back to authenticity. Well, to have authenticity, you need to take a moment, take a moment and consider your life. Mm -hmm. And if you're not taking a moment to consider your life, I don't know how you're going to be a good guide into these places that your audience is wondering how the hell are we going to get there? Yeah, so that's where, so yes, so what is cr a critical question, but mm -hmm. so what is a shaping question? Mm -hmm. Let's get the data first. Let's figure mm -hmm. out, let's figure out the stories you don't tell. Let's figure out the stories you're ashamed to tell. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out the stories that you haven't transformed. Let's mm -hmm. acknowledge the ones that you're still stuck in. Now mm -hmm. we're not necessarily going to bring those to prime time, but it's very good for you to have a grasp of those moments. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I, and can I ask you one more question on vulnerability? I, I, I'm looking for some form of uh, assurance, actually, from you, from for the audience. Because sometimes when you talk about the stories you don't want to tell, that's a very important point you raised there. 
because the obvious stuff is the the stuff you want to tell, right? The stuff you don't want to tell. That's where greater authentic authenticity kicks in, where you show show the vulnerable side of you. And I I guess what I'm trying to help people understand is that it's okay to do that. But again, a lot of people who I mean, I friends, family, people I work with in the past who don't do it are are products of a certain environment because they say that's okay for you that's okay for you because you found whatever you need to find not for me because if i tell that story i'm seen as being weak or i'm seen as being a loser or i'm not good enough i know we're going down a different path but i just want to throw that out there because it is a real blocker in people moving to the next stage I think it's such a great question. And I think this is where the, um, you need to be vulnerable as a kind of standard guideline, I think falls short. Hmm. I think it's not just about being vulnerable. I think it's about showing vulnerability and coming hmm. through to a transformation. Hmm. And so what I find, so I worked with somebody this past year, um, his family came from um, East Africa originally and came to, the States and started a travel company. And he told me a story that was so hard for him. He told me a story about going to McDonald's and he still remembers the smell of the French fries and McDonald's when he was seven years old. And he sat down with his dad and his dad brought him some French fries. And he said, here, um, and he, and he gives them to him and he, and he says, Oh, well, he says, dad, where's yours? And he says, well, I already ate mine. Hmm. But what he realized now was the look on his dad's face was a confusing look that he didn't quite understand mm -hmm. be before he became a father, before he stepped into this COVID time. And what he realized is that his father at that point couldn't afford two packs of French fries. Mm -hmm. And as he thought about that story, he kind of fell further and further into this moment of shame. Mm -hmm. But what he realized from this story is that it's actually the power of realizing his own privilege, realizing his sacrifice of his father mm, yeah. that has guided him into all of the social benefit work that he's doing now. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. guided him into all of the work around mm. in these different countries where that company has traveled to, where the guides are suffering, where the people, the local people are suffering. And now he's catalyzed in several different countries, this entire transformative program to support those guides and the local people and the families of those guides. And it's all back to that story of the French fries. Mm -hmm. So wow. is that a story of being lost in vulnerability? Is that a story? Well, that's okay for you to tell, or is that a story that was just stuck back in the past and you and your mm -hmm. developed self in your mature self in your committed self never went back to it. Cause it was just sitting there and you mm -hmm. never found that same basic question. Where's the change? Mm -hmm. right? Where's the turn? It's just sitting back. I don't want to think about that. Where's the turn? Now, these stories are not always for telling and they're not always for telling publicly. I just right. want to acknowledge that, mm. yeah. but they're really good to know. Yeah. 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 This is so powerful in the work that I do also just around in my own personal development too, just around where I lean into the stories of my own scars, my own wounds, the places where I have shame, the places where I didn't know how to do something and how those are the most transformational moments of who I am today and how I've learned and how I've grown and getting to then help facilitate that for other people too, other leaders and whoever they might be 
um, helping them lean into those areas that they have that story, but they don't, haven't harvested the gold from the story. <laughs> Yeah. They haven't harvested the wisdom, even though it's still sitting right there waiting for them to integrate. Yeah, it's the art of alchemy. It's true mm -hmm. life alchemy. You're taking something, you're taking lead, something that is a kind of flat, heavy metal, and through your own attention and through your own sourcing, you're bringing a transformation to that that you can apply because you're paying attention mm -hmm. to your audience, because you're paying attention to not just what they're saying, but what they need. Exactly. I want to get to some audience questions here. We have about 10 minutes left or so. So uh, this one comes from um, Kate and she's asking in all the geographical uh, clients that you work with and that you've coached, uh, was there one particular culture that was more able to grasp and implement the skills that you trained for? Or is the aptitude found on a more uniquely individual level? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's funny because it makes me think of the opposite question, which is what cultures are more uniquely not tended to storytelling or mm. tended. And it's not just storytelling. It's actually more a public showing of who you are. Correct. Mm. And, yeah. and I would right. say there's a lot of cultures <clears throat> that have that challenge, you know, whether it's kind of tall poppy syndrome or whether it's, just a kind of cultural thing where we don't really share that. And so, um, so both at, kind of answering both sides, you might have on the one hand, somebody's like, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to stand up the kind of classic kind of male, like American CEO leaders, like, yeah, I'm bold. I'll figure it out. Um, but that's not always necessarily the story. That's the best story. It's not always this, it's it, the, the boldness mm -hmm. is not necessarily the, what actually makes a good story. Mm. Um, it's so not what, about, it's not about extroversion. No, it's not. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's always valuable to feel okay mm -hmm. speaking or getting on stage. Of course, that's, that has its value when we're, when we're talking about leadership. But again, if we're talking about one who goes before, what I find is the, the, the value is often the, the, the people that aren't ready to tell those stories that don't think that their stories matter, that think that people want to hear something else. And what I find in just a little searching, when you're just asking that question, why like five different times from five different directions is that whether, you know, I recently worked with some, some folks from, um, from, uh, um, I was going to say Bombay. I always, I always want to say Bombay cause that was the town that that was the city that I went to. Um, from uh, Bangalore, was it in India, Bangalore? No, no, no. What, what, from Mumbai, from Mumbai. Um, also from uh, Nigeria, also from um, Southern Australia. And it's, I find in just an answer to that question, it's often the same challenge. The challenge isn't as much about a cultural piece. It's like one part culture and it's one part, my story doesn't matter. Mm. because we want to, especially as entrepreneurs, we need to get to the point and we need to talk about the business. Mm -hmm. And right. my, my point is, I totally agree with you. Your story is not the point, but you are the person in the room. You are mm -hmm. the person that's showing this. So can we get an orient to a direction that you feel comfortable and that we can find something safe that shows why this matters so you can get to the point. So that's mm -hmm. my kind of windy way of answering that question. Yeah. What do you two think about that? I'm curious. 
Um, I, I like what you said about how some cultures it's just not the norm to share more publicly or more personally. And I, I've seen that in my travels also. I can think of several countries where that's the case. So that's a really good point to flip it on the script, to flip the script there that way. Um, but I, I think it's probably more of an individual thing would be my hunch of, you know, how do you really get at that person's individual psychology, how they're wired, their patterns and conditioning in, in their ability to be able to freely tell and connect the dots of their story or to hold back out of some insecurity or fear. So I, I would imagine that's probably where a lot of your work is really most powerful is when you get on that individual level with each leader, each person and help each of them unlock that key for themselves uh, back to their own story and taking ownership of that. Yeah. I mean, I tend, I tend to agree with both of you. I think you're, you're bang on. Uh, the only bit I would add is, is a real use case example is if you take <clears throat> India, for example, as a culture in, I mean, India is huge. So it's a bit unfair. It's, it's to say India, it's like Europe, the different parts of it. But if you take North India, which is the place I'm from versus South of India, <clears throat> they're very different cultures. You're brought up in a different way. You're judged in a different way. You're allowed to do certain things, not allowed to do certain things. Your faith is different. The food you eat is actually quite different. All of these factors, all of these nuances are very important in uh, even even the, even the language is different. Language is totally different. Yeah. I mean, totally different language. Um, it, visibly different physical features as well to a large extent. And I think when when you think about um, the ability to tell your story, on in the in the south, I found which is more of the one in zero. You know, that's where computer science is really. That's where you see outsourcing come from because of generations, two, three decades of just get it done, get the highest grades, get it done, focus, learn it out, bang, you're out there. It's been very much about information sharing because everything else is non-essential. No one cares what happened to you when you were a kid. All they care about is whether they've got the solution. It's a very solution-driven subculture. In the North, similar in many ways, but there, there's, a his, there's a historical aspect of how the North became the North because the, the Mughals and the path for Afghanistan meant that the Mughals invaded India hundreds and hundreds of years ago before the British came. And the British play a big role in this as well. So I think if you look at a country like India and you, know, you look at how one has been taught to share a story, the South may not share the story as freely, although they have tons of stories to tell because th there's been no value or, you know, sort of, um, what's the word for it? Um, meaning. Emphasis. Yeah, yeah, emphasis. That's what I was looking for. There's no cultural emphasis associated to that story. It's almost, almost been diminished. It's the zero, not the one. So I just, I think you're both saying the same thing. I just thought I'll share an example of the complexity of story of storytelling. It's not as binary as well. You know, I like to tell stories. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Um but yeah, there was another. Then we, we should talk about it more. But there are other questions, Rick. Do you want to have a stab at one more? Then yeah, I'll do let's one. get to one more. From can I give a oh, quick, yeah. quick beat yeah. on that? Go for it. Because I think it's really Please. just a couple of things. Number one, I totally agree with you about the solution. Um, getting to the solution. That's right. I, let's get to the solution. But let's set up the solution so people are paying attention. This is where mm -hmm. I might talk about that. I might ask in five different ways, like how, why does it matter? Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about the problem. And let's talk about the problem from five different directions in a way that's relevant to the audience. And let's leverage a little bit of suspense. You know, let's yeah. give a little bit of juice to it. So they don't even know they're telling a story. And the other part, just really quick, I gave a training in Germany last year 
Um, and I was getting a story and I had uh, an English uh, great um, ally who was the, 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 the VP there. And she told the story to open. And I was leading in with about why stories matter. And it was a, um, it was a travel group. And, uh, and boy, that room was flat. I got to just like, it was so <laughs> flat. And it's, and, and I was like, oh my God, this, here I am. This is a cultural thing. So how do we get there? And so you have to get there by going person to person and by drawing it out person to person, not necessarily getting people to stand up, et cetera, et cetera. But I will tell the last part was that as I kind of went back and let people talk to each other and I went back to the room, I saw, I talked to the CEO for a moment and he was tearing up. This guy was like six foot four, big German, like, and he was tearing up. Why? because he was so touched as he was exploring his own journey. Mm. And yeah. I was really surprised by that because that mm. was not what I was expecting. Anyway, let's go to the next question. Yeah. I, I just love what you highlighted right there, by the way, where instead of just rushing to the solution, like most people want to do in most team meetings uh, or brainstorming sessions, whatever, how do you actually build that up? How do you, what's the setup? So people are paying attention. That's really important what you said. <laughs> how do you build the suspense? So that dopamine and everything else is really getting kicked up. How do you really build that story so that when you get to the solution, it has so much more weight and meaning for everyone to be present to in Correct. the room? Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to highlight that. That's such a really great point. Okay, last rapid fire question. This is from Rajan on Facebook. He's asking, do you think it's important for a leader to have the ability to be a follower first? Just like an army officer has to be a trained soldier in the beginning. In today's world, leadership term may be a bit convoluted and many leaders focus too much on standing up and giving a discourse rather than a two-way communication with the team and encourage all to come on a journey together via this tool of storytelling. Great question. That, that to me comes a little bit back to why I paused as we were prepping for this because the leadership word is, comes up so often and it's something, something I use so often. Um, but I said, I, I looked behind the word. What do we mm. mean by leader? So again, this idea that the leader comes from this old English word laden, which means mm -hmm. to travel, which means to grow. And it also means to go before. So that to me is, helps me a lot when I think about this new leadership of stepping into a circle of acknowledging how we support each other first and foremost, rather than being the person that gets up and knows everything. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I completely agree with this inquiry. The mm -hmm. question is not how can you be the person that knows everything, mm -hmm. but how can you be the person in a powerful way that doesn't know? How can you be the person that goes that 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 studies your own journey and this and the the those around you so that you know what people need so that you can offer guidance as the one who goes before yeah. as the one who has studied the landscape and is responsible to a certain degree to illuminate the future not because you're the smartest person in the room but because you're the most curious person in the room love it listening curiosity that's really uh, the basis for eliciting the stories uh, within and without. I love that. Uh, Jay, we're at the end of our hour here. How can people find out more about you and your work? Where should they go? Yeah, you can go to retellable.com. That's, uh, that's our company. And it's story coaching uh, for, for leaders, for uh, speakers, for innovators, and uh, also training and speaking. Um, and you can also check out Retellable on Amazon, the book Retellable. And I also have a 
So I've got my book, Retellable, uh, which is about how uh, your essential stories can unlock power and purpose. And then AF also, this is, uh, this is my new Retellable journal, mm-hmm. which oh, is nice. more about how you drop in mm-hmm. and how you refine and shape and gather your collection. So this is the workbook. Um, and in this, there's a legend to that I that I mapped out for you a way that you can study your life and gather your stories. Now, if you do that legend, this is just a sample size. I I blow that up, expand it, pinch it out, and mm. make it this big so you mm. can do your legend and study your own nice. journeys and create your collection. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Jay, thank you so much for bringing your stories, <clears throat> your wisdom, your history, yeah. your present, and your passion. Uh, all very palpable. Appreciate what you bring to the table and how you're helping people elicit their stories forward. It's so important today. Yeah. Well, it's a real. No, I was just saying wonderful. I totally ditto echo. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really a, really a pleasure. And as we acknowledge this one year, since we all kind of looked up and realized that the world was about to change, let's really consider uh, what we've learned and consider how we can apply this insight to hmm. this, this rapidly changing world. Wonderful. And we'd love to invite you to be part of our WhatsApp group for Straight Talk Live. We have all of our past speakers and audience members uh, part of that. So we'd love to have your, your voice in there as well. Love it. Such a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And just really quickly for next week, we have the pleasure of getting to host uh, Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari and the founder of Chuck E. Cheese. This is my childhood dream come true. That is so cool. Pizza Arcade and Atari. It doesn't get better than that, folks. (laughs) So uh, he's also been an entrepreneur of 20 other ventures, incredible uh, innovator. So we're going to get to talk to Nolan directly next Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern, 4 p.m. UK because of the change of time. Correct. So look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you again, Jay. And all street talkers out there, Keep listening to those stories and keep bringing them forward. Okay, over and out. Travels. See your travels. travels.